This is Que Esperanzas, a new series on Book Public from Texas Public Radio. The expression Que Esperanzas is an ironic or pessimistic expression meant to convey that there's little hope and the improbability of success. Book Public's Que Esperanza series focuses on short stories with protagonists who are women surviving catastrophic injustices in their everyday lives and facing them with a thin measure of hope. This week's story is Delaney Girls by Louise Marburg. A reunion of the Delaney Girls School is the setting for this story. Protagonist Loretta has not seen her old school chums since 1987. She'd studiously avoided reunions for all these years. Once there, however, among the gathering of women whose hair was, quote, varying hues of blonde and who all wore royal blue, Loretta, in her chic black outfit and impressive resume, would like to imagine that they haven't changed, that they are still who they were back in 1987. She would like to think, perhaps, that only she has changed, grown up, to be successful. Each of the women has experienced life with losses. Each has moved on. Ironically, it's Loretta who might not be perceived as most likely to succeed. Here's Louise Marburg. Delaney Girls. Loretta checked into the Hampton Inn in Hartford rather than a bed and breakfast near Delaney Hall because she hated the smothering coziness of B&Bs, their doily surfaces and cabbage rose upholstery, bedlidence redolent of the musk of past guests. None of her former classmates who lived in the area had invited her to stay with them. Barbara Grant, for instance, or Helen Bromley, girls she'd once considered friends. But that was understandable. She hadn't seen them since 1987. Oh my God, Helen said when she saw Loretta at the alumni luncheon. They were seated next to each other. The same old yellow cafeteria had been decked out with cloth covered tables, plates with golden school crests, and crystal goblets that cast rainbows in unexpected places, such as Helen's powdered cheek. Helen hugged Loretta and gave her the once over. My, aren't you stylish? Loretta looked down at her clothing, a long black skirt, black suede boots, and an emerald green blouse that she bought in Japan that wrapped her slim torso in layers of silk. She touched her necklace, a strand of pre-Columbian stone beads that one of her ex-husbands had given her. Nobody else in the room was wearing black, Royal blue appeared to be the predominant color, and the vast majority of the women's hair was varying hues of blonde, as if they'd exchanged their Delaney school uniforms for the brave uniforms of middle age. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Can you just give us a, a quick, quick summary of the story for our listeners who haven't yet read it? Okay. Uh, Loretta is an artist uh, who has been, you know, in living in New York and childless and has been married three times. She's very different than her, her classmate. She always was and comes to a reunion and finds that she's very different still. And in fact, more different. And uh, she's the only uh, classmate that doesn't have children or isn't married and she's divorced. Um, and uh, as the as the reunion goes on, she finds that, in fact, she's she's got uh, a lot of memory, bad memories, a lot of bad memories of her life, uh, separate from Delaney Hall, but also that she's she's not really treated as one of them, and she really came to show that she had accomplished something, and nobody cares. 
She's so complicated. I mean, on the one hand, she comes through as this ambitious person who ends up, I mean, I suppose in this context uh, of school, like most likely to succeed, but she hasn't, like she's struggling in all ways. I mean, personally and professionally even, professionally Mm -hmm. even. And then she's carrying this like bottomless void um, of, you know, having lost a baby and Mm -hmm. having lost, it seems like uh, as a consequence, um, that marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's not a single soul uh, who can begin to sympathize with her because of some of the walls that she herself has managed to keep up for all these years. And I feel like they're mm-hmm. like the walls are even yeah. higher now. Yeah, they are. I mean, she came, she came to say, look at me, look at what I've done. Uh, and, but in fact, her, her life is very sad. Uh, the, the broken marriages, the lost child that she still grieves and will always grieve, um, which really uh, highlights her, her separation from these women who are, are mothers. I mean, almost all of them are mothers, if not all of them. And they have families and Loretta thinks to herself, I'm going to die alone. While Jane, for instance, has pictures all the way up her stairway of her family. She'll she'll die in a room full of family, but I'll die alone. Yeah. Um, and it's so interesting how um Helen brings up, I mean, she was she's been a kind of a best friend in their youth, I suppose, Helen and also Barbara, who has died. There's just this interesting idea here about Loretta facing her her mortality alone facing mm-hmm. her old, her later years alone. Mm-hmm. Um, when Helen offers her this like litany of all their friends who have died over the years, there's, there's so much here in this story about this interplay between life and death that I find so compelling in the way it contributes to the tension in the story, because it feels like Loretta, as you say, is coming into this scene, sort of like, look at me, look at my gorgeous outfit and my necklace and I stand out and Mm -hmm. I'm successful. And at the same time, like at every turn, she's reminded of, um, you know, her own mortality, her own aloneness. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, as you say, how different she is from everyone else, but maybe not for the better. Like she's really Mm -hmm. standing out now for very different reasons right yeah yeah she's standing out as somebody who's whose life is sad not full of uh success and even uh as she thinks about her you know this most recent success that she had she's so, so anxious about the project that she hasn't even begun it it keeps her up at night uh so even in her success she's not entirely confident uh and she certainly is is her confidence is lost at uh the reunion where she she uh, confesses something she's never spoken about to her friend Tabitha, um, and and finds herself sort of trying to one up her in terms of sort of maternal grief or maternal happiness or just being a mother, um, just getting some attention for something that that Tabitha and everybody else at the at the reunion values, but something that she ordinarily never speaks of. Oh, that's so. That is so true. It's something so personal. She's not shared, and it, you, we do know how what a huge, terrible sorrow it is for her 
and that she has to sort of pull it out and use it in this as you know this one-upmanship with yeah. other mothers just to kind of fit in and say like oh i i know what that that's all about this mm -hmm. happened to me and and even in saying that she's still so different from them yeah the school reunion stories i think we, when we do encounter them um you know i think when you in, in, in reunions, when you reconnect with people from your past or from your formative years as an adult, it's always a little bit jarring. They're, they're never easy encounters to negotiate. I mean, there's something, there's a, a little bit of a fun house mirror effect. Like, yeah, it looks like the same guy, but <laughs> he looks yeah, really sort of wacky. Yeah. <laughs> and then we realize how different we must also appear to everybody else. So I feel like this inherent tension coming from there. Um, yeah. How did you settle on this fantastic idea of the reunion for this story? Well, I, I, I'm sort of a non-reunion person. I've been to one high school reunion, I think, or maybe two. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is so depressing. Everybody is, is aging. And um, I, I do not have children. And I, my husband is an artist. And as you know, I'm a writer. So we live very different lives than the girls. I went to a girl's school, very different lives than the girls that I went to school with. And so that was, it's really comes from that. Um, just the, the idea that you're, you're coming into this with an idea that you are somebody and then you're, you're sort of not because you don't, you're, you're not the somebody that they value. Yeah. They can never really know. Right. I mean, for all yeah. our, our three line bios, or, you know, our, our 200 right. word bios that we can right, throw right, out, right. people will never, ever really know uh, our stories, or, you know, or yeah. uh, the, the deepest part of, of who we have been for all these years, who we've sort of grown up to be. I just who think it's, become. yes, yeah. it's so interesting. Now, readers of the story will mm -hmm. encounter uh, this heartrending scene of um, of Loretta on the phone, mm -hmm. trying With to call her, her ex husband. I mean, it's it's rather unexpected, and then suddenly, so much about her is made known to us. Or, mm -hmm. um, I guess we can start to discern. So you know, sort of chip away at her, this veneer of hers. I mean, she right. remains utterly enigmatic, but we get this insight about her and how so very human she is after all and mm -hmm. and ordinary and i mean that like in the most spectacular way of that ordinariness is that she's so so someone who um is so guarded and so unreachable sort of by design and then mm -hmm but there's so much going on there and it, and she's such a rich character for it. I mean, I can really feel like um, just how painful it is for her to even engage and, you know, that, um, mm -hmm. that infin right. infinity pool and the smell of the chlorine. And just yeah, like, yeah. She has to be engaging in these situations that are so uncomfortable anyway, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I th for, for me, when I was writing the uh, scene where she calls her ex-husband, and the child answers and she realizes that this is the child her ex-husband had subsequent to being with, with Loretta, um, that that stabbing feeling of that bad person has gone on and had 
what I never will have. And uh, I just, when I wrote it, I just thought, God, this is so, so sad, you know, that everybody's gone on to have what they want, essentially. Uh, and I think she says that at one point. Um, and she is, is, you know, all she's got is this supposed success that she's actually really anxious about. But uh, that, that when writing that stabbed me and I wanted it to stab her, that, that Sophie, she knew that Sophie was, was Ben's daughter because Sophie was Ben's grandmother's name. Oh my God. I know that, that detail too is also like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. I, I mean, if it were me, I would think, oh my God, this is so, so upsetting because you think when you, and, and this is true in reunions that when you leave people and you don't see them again, you think they stay the same. Um, and, and of course they don't, everybody's different. And so even Ben in this reunion where she's realizing that, that not only is she different, but everybody else is different and they, they're so different from each other that even her, her ex-husband who in her mind is sort of petrified as this guy who she, you know, had a stillborn baby with has moved on. So it's just, um, you know, Loretta just can't win in this. She can't, and she's, she would like to, I mean, for as much as she's advanced and done so much with her life, she's still sort of in this arrested development, it seems mm -hmm. like, because she wants everybody else around her to be the same while she keeps excelling and uh, yes. striving for more. And in that process, she's the one who's sort of stunted in different ways that the others are not, as you say, they have gone on to create. Right lives. I mean, to create, um, and I don't mean like, uh, like that's some kind of standard, you know, that you have to go and, uh, and have a family, yeah. but it is yeah. obviously something that she did want with Ben. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's for me, you know, of all stories are about loss. Like what is, what's the central loss for, uh, Loretta is around this idea of that, while she, you know she would like to stay young like that that list of of women who have died that helen shares with her that's almost more than she can bear because she is sort of thinking wow the clock is ticking mm -hmm. and some of these things that um she obviously wanted for herself are never are probably never going to happen sort of and certainly not in that way that we would ex we would expect to happen when we're in high school or that you mm. know that yeah. we see for ourselves in the future. Yeah, exactly. And she's past the age of, of being able to have a child um, or really do any, you know, it's, her life is now set and it's not going to change in any way that, that of the, you know, she's not going to have children. She's probably not going to have a good marriage. She hasn't yet. Um, so, I mean, it's possible, but is for a charm, who knows? But um, I think it's, it's interesting when, Helen says, I, th I know you think we're all dumpy and conventional, Loretta, but our lives are every bit as important as yours. And she did come into this thinking, oh, look at them in their royal blue dresses and their, you know, streaked blonde hair. Um, but she's come to realize that their lives are very important and possibly more important to other people, thus their children and their husbands and their family, than hers is will be to anyone. Yeah, I like these details, you know, when she's going to the bathroom and she runs into that man and yeah. she has this feeling of like, he must find her very attractive and no, he's just needing to go he to the bathroom. To the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, <So awful. laughs> 
Carla Rita. And then the party's in full swing, it says at the end. And, you know, she's decided she's going to have to leave this space. And nobody tried to talk to her. No one asked her to stay. It's just like this, you know, and with reunions, and I think with people in our past that we think we've sort of pegged, you know, like, this guy was, you know, wasn't going to amount to much. And this guy was a party head and he probably, you know, can't hold on a job. And then you go to the reunion and you realize that everybody did grow up. You weren't Uh the only one who grew up. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, um, I think the reason why I've, I've avoided reunions is because you do grow up and you realize that the people who were your best, as, as in the story, who were your best friends in school, you now have absolutely nothing in common with and maybe never did. So, you know, school being the kind of place where you want to fit in um, and Loretta is realizing that she, you know, that none of this was really real. Um, That that Helen is not her real friend and certainly isn't now that she back then thought, oh, Loretta, the bohemian, you know, how cool she thinks she is, Uh, you know, and she just doesn't care, doesn't care. That is very interesting that we realized that Helen had sort of a pigeonholed Loretta too. Mm -hmm. And that's what Loretta was doing to everyone else in her mind and was doing, you know, all these years later as well. Um, And, and discovers, I I guess, I mean, she does seem like she's able to pick up on the fact that that's what everybody had done to her too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there, uh, there also, there is no being special. And I think and the, that's the sort of a theme in, in a lot of my stories is that everybody wants to be special. And I think that's true in life. And in fact, nobody's really that special. I mean, they, they are maybe in their own mind and then maybe they are to certain people, but in the grand scheme, nobody is special. We're just try, trying to stay alive and get by. Yeah, exactly. Just trying to stay out of the heat at this point. <laughs> Louise Marburg, thank you so much for talking to me today about Delaney Girls. It was such a pleasure. Oh, thank you, Yvette. This has been really fun. Louise Marburg is the author of the story Delaney Girls. It can be found in her collection of stories titled No Diving Allowed. This has been Que Esperanzas, a series focusing on short stories with protagonists who are women surviving catastrophic injustice in their everyday lives on Book Public from Texas Public Radio. Write to us at bookpublic at tpr.org. Jacob Rosati composed our theme music. Dan Katz is Texas Public Radio's news director. We had help this week from David Martin Davies. I'm Yvette Benavides. <laughs>